0: Welcome to the FBA Power Planning Podcast, the forum for power planning professionals to delve deeper into the important issues facing our profession and to engage with experts on topics that matter. It's our aim to bring you discussions that will help inform, educate, and illuminate the pathway forward for you and for our profession as we navigate this period of transformation. Today, we are joined by Kate Fellows talking all things power planning, from education to career progression and where you can find yourself a part of the vibrant power planning community. We'll give you some tips for starting out, for launching into contracting and making sure that your skill set is ahead of the game. Kate Fellows has been in financial services for more than 25 years. She brings a wealth of experience, no pun intended, in consulting to advice practices, providing power planning services and is a superstar in the education space. Kate spent the last few years advocating for and promoting professionalism and development of the Australian power planning community. It's an absolute honor to have her join us today. Welcome Kate. Thanks Jemima. It's great to be here. Wonderful to have you. So today our conversation is going to range across a number of things that you're particularly an expert at. It's really great to have you here. We're going to be talking about all sorts of things you've mentioned in our free show chats that you've got advice for power planners who would be listening today as well as just a bit of an in-depth dive into what's happening in this space and where it's going. Yeah, great. Looking forward to it. So Kate, you describe yourself as a bit of a problem solver. How far does this extend into your
1: life? Are you constantly analyzing the world around you? (laughs) Probably too much. I do have a tendency towards that. So we all have our weaknesses. But I guess in terms of what I do for my career, it has worked in my favor. And I found myself doing lots of different things in the financial services industry, but I landed in power planning and setting up a power planning business as a way to solve problems for advisors who are my clients at Macquarie and they were just Unable to source enough power planners and to do it in a way that worked for their business. So they couldn't afford necessarily to have a full time power planner. And so the outsourcing model was really just being born then, back pre GFC times. And that's where it came about.
0: Great. So, you yourself, did you have a background in power planning or how did you enter
1: into that space? As I said, I've done quite a few things. And I think that's not unusual in financial services. We're very lucky with the opportunities that we're presented with but after uni I I went into corporate super I've worked in self-managed superannuation I've been an advisor for a number of years and I did do some power planning many many years ago I guess it was the culmination of all those different things that led me to start that business and one of the other things that I did spend time doing was working in software, financial planning software and training advisors. So I'd had the technology background in statements of advice. I'd had the client facing for a number of years and so I brought that together into the power planning business.
0: Brilliant. So combining all of those different areas of knowledge and really understanding the gaps I think is the key to providing good solutions in any space. Absolutely.
1: And in running the power planning business, I must say from the beginning, and that has brought me through to now, having sold the, my last power planning business a few years back. I've done a lot of consulting to advice practices. So I do feel like I have a pretty good handle on what their challenges are, how that has evolved over time, and how we can help them with a the power planning skill set, but not just in power planning as well.
0: I can imagine, Kate, there'd be challenges in lots of different areas of that space for advice creation, advice delivery. What do you see as some of the key challenges that have either surfaced recently or just are an ongoing problem for practices and power planners?
1: Well, there are lots of things. They are facing many challenges at the moment. But I think one of the areas that we can have a real impact is that advice production process. And as I say to many of my advisor clients, saving one or two days for each client, if you can pull that out of your process and save that time each time, can mean saving thousands of dollars, but not just that, it creates time for the power or the CSO or the advisor be doing other things that are more valuable to the client as well so trying to find those efficiencies in the advice process or the production process of the advice.
0: How does that look like from your software background because I understand you know software is developed in order to progress towards efficiency where have you seen those those leaps
1: and bounds take place? I think there's a few things happening at the moment in the tech space and one of those was XPlan opening its API, which has meant that we've had other software vendors be able to integrate with XPlan? I think that's important because I believe it's going to be important to our advice industry to move away from that idea that one software provider will solve everything for an advice business. We need a tech stack or a tech ecosystem or whatever terminology you want to use. That's what's happening out there at the moment. We're getting specialists in certain parts of the advice process and we're being able to integrate them with other pieces of software and technology.
0: And how has the uptake been? Because that requires training, requires awareness, first of all, and incorporating that into an existing advice process. Is it the power planners who take on this software training and development?
1: Where does that sit? What we often find is the paraplanner tends to be the office tech champion. And that's because they use the software the most. They use it from a CRM point of view. They're using it for research, modeling, and also the document creation. Paraplanners, by way of, to make a huge generalization, by nature, are quite organized and and process-driven. Workflows and all those sorts of things really sit well with a paraplanner as well. So yes, the power planner plays an integral role. I think just from my software background, though, it's one thing to go and purchase a lovely tech stack and know that it's going to create efficiencies. But as you're alluding to, Gem, where it falls down is in the uptake and the implementation. So that part of the process is just as important.
0: What elements of this are just the software development is a key interest of ours at the FPA and for a lot of our members especially with the potential futures for digital SOAs, digital advice, is that a bit too far in the future or could you see that getting on the table sooner than we expect?
1: I don't think it's too far. I think within the next few years, we will have a digitised SOA. Now, whether that's an online document, it's a big thing. It's a big thing to move away from that document, even if it's in an electronic form. So I think we'll definitely see that and many of the software vendors out there now are looking at this. So it's not too far away, but I think we've still got a a way to go before we get to that end state that I often talk about. And I think we chatted about, which is clients having their own portal with an audit trail of the advice and and being able to integrate with their goals and aspirations and how that transposes into that digital world. Kate, you've emphasised to me before that, you know, no matter how
0: fancy these documents get, whether they're an engaging app for a client to check their balance and their financial progress, that at the end of the day, it's still advice that needs to be delivered. And it has to be best interest, client focused, compliant advice. So the power planners play such a big role in ensuring that the advice is appropriate to the client. While we've seen in other areas of financial planning, for example, the licensees and the advisors have rigorous standards in terms of education put on them. We haven't necessarily seen the same standards raised at this point in time for power planners. I know you are passionate about power planning education. Can you tell me a bit about the importance of education for power planners and what they should be focusing on and
1: specializing in? Absolutely. And you're right, there's no expectation and there's no requirement currently for power planners to have any level of educational standards. And from my understanding with discussions, with the appropriate bodies. There's no intention to do that in the future either. They're very much focused on that landing squarely with the AFSL. Having said that, it's extremely important that the para planner has as good knowledge technically as the advisor does. They're going away, they're doing the research, stress testing, the strategies, doing all the financial modelling, and then they need the added overlay of what's required in the statement of advice from a compliance point of view. Many advisors have stepped away from the in-house paraplanner model. And I think we saw at the recent roadshow that it's more than 50% are now outsourcing their paraplaning function. What happens when they do that is they outsource their knowledge of what's required in that SOA. They haven't got that in-house anymore. So there's a real onus on the paraplanner to be that expert, to know what needs to be included. Whether that's online in a Word document, it's still content and it still needs to be in there and correct. From an education point of view, I think that the paraplanner really needs to have the technical knowledge and do formal training in that area. So whether that's an advanced diploma, a degree, a grad dip, a master's, I know many paraplanners have master's. So that's one aspect. And then what I do and what I've brought to the industry is more practical training around how to produce a compliant SOA, how to make sure that you're doing adequate research. What type of scenarios do you need to look at that para-planning aspect of the role that's not really taught in formal financial planning qualifications?
0: I can imagine, you know, as sharing all this knowledge and getting formal qualifications, you also need that sort of practical experience in a practice is there a way that contract paraplanners get that connection to the practice or do they have to start in the practice and bring that over as a consultant?
1: How does that typically play out? It's a really good question. I think it's valuable for them to have some experience in a practice. They need to see that advice process and how the Advice team interacts with the client and the sorts of challenges that come up for clients, even just the documentation. You know, there's so much paperwork just to see the flow of all of that information and how it works for the client. I think that's critical to them having a well rounded skill set in contracting. Having said that, they can still have very close relationships with the advice practice in the contract world. It's just that they're not sitting in the office and they're not a full time employee. I know that the offshore power planning model has more of a connection that way. They tend to put a person virtually into the team and so that they have that ongoing feeling of being part of the team and getting more exposure to the client.
0: Kate, can you tell me about the relationship between the compliance side within a practice and then maybe an external power planning business or an individual contractor?
1: It depends on the size of the AF cells. If you're looking at a practice that's part of a larger group, often there will be a set of compliance policies and standards as they relate to that AFSL. So it's really important as a contract paraplanner that they have a view of that and they can interact with compliance within that AFSL. I think it's a too big a risk for contract paraplanners to be preparing advice documents for a business And not knowing what those internal business rules, compliance standards and policies are. That's one link that needs to be firmly established to do the contract role.
0: Is that initiated by the practice or the AFSL or is it usually on the power planner to make sure those connections are strong, make sure that knowledge is really embedded?
1: It depends on the group. It really does depend on the group. It was a requirement for my planning business. I made sure that we had access to the compliance team, that we received training or some type of guidelines from the outset so that uh, we were setting ourselves up for success. I find that some groups are really happy and want to engage you and others you do have to drive it because everybody's busy, I guess. (laughs)
0: Looping back, Kate, to the education side of things, what, what are some things out there? So aside from degrees, so a lot of power planners you mentioned have completed formal study or they're in progress. In terms of that organic development within a community of practice, how do we see power planners grouping together to share this knowledge? Is there events?
1: Are there communities? What does that space look like? That's the area that I've really been focused on. I sold my power planning business a few years ago with the intention to help drive through advocacy and also providing it myself, education and professional development that was specifically for power planners, because there are skills and knowledge that they need that they won't ever get going to advisor conferences. So that's been a big part of what I've done. I've set up online training. I do workshops teaching para planners how to write the advice in the different advice areas. What you'll often find is you can have a very experienced para planner, but they may have learnt their skills from an advice practice that doesn't provide self-managed super fund advice. They change roles and then all of a sudden... There's a knowledge gap there. That's what I've tried to do in putting together my education modules is to allow an experienced paraplanner to pick up the different knowledge gaps they have and just complete those modules. In terms of a community, we've been very fortunate to have Maldrago set up a Facebook community, which initially we just thought it was a way of connecting power planners so they could chat. There was no other forum and I think she's got 1,200 paraplanners on there now who are very actively engaged. It's a great community and they are more than happy to share their knowledge and their tools to help each other. So that's been a great development in the last few years. For planners listening today, where can they find this Facebook community? Do you know the name of the page? It's called the Paraplanner Hub. And it's on Facebook. You will have to get approved by Mel. But that's really just about being a power planner or a wannabe power planner. You can get on there. Fantastic. So
0: with that, something that really stood out when you were talking about the education gaps where someone may have specialized or been in a practice, it can be phrased as gaps. But is there a rise on the other side of that in specializations within someone does have really in-depth knowledge about creating superannuation advice or insurance advice. Have you seen a distinction among paraplanners that are putting themselves forward as area specialists?
1: I have. In fact, my sister, who I retrained in my business, she's a mother of four and she was previously radiation therapist. And she was finding going into the hospital and working normal shift hours with four young children was really quite challenging. So I retrained her as a paraplanner. And she only had limited time, so she could only do two or three hours here or there. She never had a block of time to sit down and do a self-managed super fund SOA, if you like. So what we decided, she would just do insurance SOAs. And Shari is now an insurance specialist, and that's all she does in terms of the SOAs she does. She is used by many of the large insurance practices across Australia and has been doing that for nearly 10 years now. So, we do see things like that emerge. It's not that common. And I think there's more of an expectation as we move to goals-based advice and holistic advice that the paraplanner can do everything.
0: You've seen this rise and some people really specialising So your sister, just able to really hone in on a particular skill set, deliver outstanding SOAs in one area, which I can imagine would build on each other as you've done one, as you've done 10, as you've done 100 advice as a waste specifically around you know key knowledge area. We just have such a knowledge of the industry, such a knowledge of the options available for the client.
1: So oh, absolutely. And I think that's one of the advantages. So Shari still works in the business that bought my paraplanning business, paraplanner.com.au shout out to Jason Penner. Um, because he's got the he's fortunate that he's got a large team, right? Now he's got Shari in there as an insurance specialist he, he does have a number of specialists if they've ever got any questions on insurance they've got a champion and they go to Shari so it does work well in a bigger team like that.
0: Among this community of power planners you're outlining a space which I can imagine has a lot of goodwill a lot of knowledge sharing is there any sense of competition for the same practices or how is the demand
1: out there for power planners? there's never enough power planners, And that's still the case. It's not the same as it was, say, five years ago when we had many of the, the big banks stealing our power planners to take them off on remediation <laughs> programs and pay them top dollar. Uh, things have changed a little bit. And thankfully, there's not as much demand. But I must say, for the good power planners out there and the good power planning businesses, there's always enough work and they can always take on new power planners. So I find in the community that across the power planning businesses, they are also happy to work together and support each other because there's enough business for everyone.
0: How has the shift towards working from home and the normalisation due to COVID, has that had any effect on the contract power planning experience?
1: I think it's probably to their advantage. I've been working from home for, I think it's, 14 or 15 years now. And often there was an expectation that you should be able to go into the office of the practice. Now that everyone's had a go at doing that, I feel like there's more acceptance of people working from home. And so they're more comfortable with the contract para planner being remote. Kate, we've seen the real rise of people choosing para planning from the outset
0: as a career. What advice would you have for those who are intending to
1: be career power planners?
0: Where should they start? How can they highlight and market themselves to practices or in the contract space?
1: I've actually spoken to some of the graduates at the most recent face-to-face Congress we had at FPA a couple of years back. And there were some of those that said, look, I love financial advice, but I like the technical side of it. And I don't see myself sitting with clients. So planning is a a natural step for me and, and what should I do and how do I get started? I think the most important thing is getting into an advice practice. They need to do their professional year now. That is part of what they're going to have to do if they choose to become an advisor later on. Some graduates tend to go into a client service role just to learn the ropes, if you like, and then paraplanning. Others are fortunate enough to step straight into paraplanning if the advice practice has the, I guess, capacity to support them from a training and development point of view. There's still a bit of a leap from a graduate at university in financial planning to being able to produce a statement of advice confidently. So it will depend. There are a few options there available to them. Some of them will still spend time in power planning and then think, you know what, I I would like to try being a financial advisor. And I did that. I certainly went down that path and decided that it wasn't for me and for some people it is. So we see many of our advisors have come from a power planning background and it's a good foundation for them to understand, particularly the analytical side of the power planning role for advice.
0: Kate, I often talk to early career professionals in financial planning who are frustrated by a demand for a practice to have three plus or five plus years experience as a power planner, and they've just stepped out of university. What can they do to market themselves? Should they still be applying for these jobs? One. And two, how can they give the advice practices the confidence to take them on and to train them?
1: The practice always wants Some experience. They shouldn't be applying for those roles. There's a reason why the practice is saying they need three to five years' experience to start because they don't have the resources to train and develop that person that they're going to take on. So, applying for the role, even convincing them to take them on, may not be in their best interest because they're not going to get the nurturing and the knowledge that they need when they start their career. Sometimes you're better going for a bigger, organization. I know that's harder now because we have less of the big AFSLs and the head office style of employers but if you can get one of those roles and get a foot in the door they're more likely to take on a newbie. The other thing that I've seen emerge in the power planning community is that some of the bigger power planning businesses are now taking on graduates and training them as well. So there is the opportunity to do that. That would be a great place to start. Some of these businesses are doing wonderful things, not just in power planning, but in technology as well. So they could learn across a a broader skill set to get access to those sorts of things. I hate to say it because when I started my career, it wasn't my strength, but they've got to network. They need to Join an FPA, the paraplanner hub. They need to get talking to people in the industry. Find someone, their their mum or dad's mate who has an advice business that they can go and sit and chat to him or her and and see what they're doing in their business and who they might be able to introduce them to. One of the things about our industry is it is very networky, which will work in your favour if you use it to your advantage. So
0: definitely getting out there, maybe starting an advice firm that has the scale to train someone from the very beginning or yes. seeing out the options out there for a power planning business that might do that introductory training to get your foot in the door. Absolutely. With that community of practice, you've mentioned that power plan is a really distinctive role within the firm. You've got administrative tasks that they do, but sometimes they sit as well almost on the level of an advisor in terms of the depth of knowledge they might have about a client's financial solutions or the statement of advice that they're producing. What do you see is this relationship between the financial advisor and the power planner?
1: That has evolved greatly. And more recently in the last five years, we're seeing significant changes in how that relationship works. When I first set up a power planning business, we were instruction takers. And it's a big shift. And part of what I've seen as my role in the last few years has to raise the profile of para planners as professionals and get that relationship to more of a collaboration. We all know that advisors are under extraordinary pressure right now and that they've got more and more things to do in their day, every day. The paraplanner is perfectly positioned to be their peer and to help them with the technical side of the advice business. So what we want to see and what we are seeing is more paraplanners stepping up as a peer, providing feedback, providing alternative solutions, doing more research, being involved in those investment committees, all those things that they have the knowledge and skills to help the advice practice with.
0: I can imagine if a power planner is constantly doing this, they're going to elevate their contribution within the practice. And is that the pathway into becoming a senior power planner? And what's the job and even financial prospects for themselves if they can really demonstrate that
1: contribution to the advisor? There are a lot of career opportunities for a power planner. It could be a senior role. It could be team leader, manager. Some of the others, though, are into a a technical position. So we're seeing now in advice practices, they have a go-to person in the team that provides the technical support to the advice team, or it might be that they step into more of a compliance role. They might do a bit of both. The other thing is still the pathway to an advisor, if that's what they choose to do. So they are very different skill sets though. Someone who's client facing versus someone who's sitting in the background doing the analytical work so it's important that they think about what their strengths are as to which direction they take
0: what I'm hearing is that it can't go wrong to start as a power planner whether you're going to advance as a career power planner or to leap into that advisor client facing role from which you will then understand the power planning process inside and out and understand the strategies you're going to be proposing in that room with
1: the client It is a great place to start. There's no doubt there's a lot to be learned. And I've just recently trained some graduates with a firm, and they're learning so much by preparing statements of advice and records of advice. There's a lot of the practical aspects of advice that can be learned in power planning. Kate,
0: with power planning being so in demand and the need for power planners being so evident within firms and practices and AFSLs, what are the opportunities for career
1: changes? who may be considering power planning? I think that that's a really good opportunity. In fact, I've trained a number of people who have done that. More recently, my last student who came onto my online course was doing business consultancy and has decided that she wants to redirect into power planning. She has a young family and likes the idea of being able to have more control over her time and when she works. So that's always a good idea, particularly if they've come from industry, they've got a base of knowledge. They're still going to have to do some formal training and some practical training if they want to be able to produce a statement of advice. But there's plenty of opportunity for career changes in power planning. Would you also recommend starting in a practice? It would depend where they're coming from. So I did have Someone who I now call a friend, one of the local parents from where my children play tennis that I just happened to start chatting to one day and he had become redundant from fairly senior management position at a mining corporation and was keen to to get into financial planning he'd enrolled in a degree but also wanted to do something part-time and as I said to him and I'll say to you just get into a practice and and start getting some exposure so he's now working for a local advice business as a CSO part-time. And as you said the
0: advantage then of being I suppose a mature entrant to the industry or someone who's changed from another career is you have that life experience
1: That's definitely one of the great things that I see coming out of the changes that we've all gone through in recent years. That professional year is a great opportunity for us in particular as education providers to get involved with preparing the graduates for the practical aspects of business and advice.
0: So Kate, fascinating discussion. I'm excited about the changes in the space of power planners new ability to work from home, more accepted place there, so many educational opportunities. I also wanted to note in there that the CPD that's being created for all of the financial planners could be a fantastic resource for power planners wanting to upskill, not necessarily having to complete CPD logs and records, but just a really wide range of webinars, events,
1: articles out there that they could learn from. Absolutely. The contract para planners in particular, just to make a note that they are responsible for their own professional development. Most para planning businesses will put that onus on them. And I always talk to para planners about having some type of formal ongoing professional development plan for themselves. So you're absolutely right. The FPA Learn is a good resource for that. And I've been working with the FPA on creating power planning specific content for that as well. And we have some other projects that we're working on to increase the power planning education that we have available. So that's a really important part of power planning. Everything is constantly changing and they need to keep their knowledge up to date too.
0: Also, shout out to FPA Learn. So the team does a great job there. And Kate, I know you've been developing content with them. A lot of that once you're an FPA member is free. So there's a portal full of searchable content on all different types of topics, from SOA creation to superannuation, changes in laws and legislation. So all those kinds of things, highly encourage you guys to get across that. Kate, you've had a fascinating career journey through power planning, business development, software management. A lot of people in the career world at the moment are talking about mentors and they have for a long time. I'm wondering for you personally, have you had a mentor that's
1: played a role in your life I had to think about this and I can absolutely see the value. I've never had someone that I would have called a mentor, but on reflection, there have been people that have mentored me, if that makes sense. And certain people within my career that have shaped me by different things that have happened. So for example, when I set up my first para-planning business back in 2007, my first client, Gary Snell, who probably won't be listening because he's retired, but <laughs> he, he was amazing. He really took me under his wing and helped me, not just from the power planning side, but with my business. You know, it's one of the things that we don't often talk about with all of these contract power planning businesses out there is you have to run a business as well. So he was great and he introduced me to a book called who Moved My Cheese? It's a short book, which are my favourites because we do so much other reading in our in our world. But it's about change. I think it's really probably timely for our industry to be looking at change. I do a lot of change management in advice practices. I find that that's what you end up doing. And Who, my, who Moved My Cheese was about, the cheese used to be in the same place every time and the mice went back one day and it had gone. And how the different mice reacted to that change. And that's the same with us. And we all react differently in how we can adjust our mindsets to be more welcoming of change.
0: To just the skills to develop a business. Where can paraplanners go to get that support if that's something that they're either looking to develop, they're looking to go out on their own? Is there any sort of places you would point them or directions to take in that area?
1: I have an online course that is the power planning fundamentals. We do cover it in that, but it's a good point, Gem. I'm planning to do a workshop purely for running power planning businesses and the considerations that they need to look at. That's very timely. That it's a fantastic
0: <laughs> resource. Looking forward to having them out there. So what's the best piece of advice, life advice, personal advice, or maybe even financial advice that you have been
1: given throughout your career? I don't see myself necessarily as this serial business person, but more of a problem solver. And that's what took me into power planning. And then that's what's taken me now into education and advocacy of power planners as well. And I guess the piece of advice that I can thank for that was once again, a senior manager at Perpetual, Derek Bennett is still in in the industry. And I went into his office. I used to go in all the time because I was young and I wanted to improve things all the time. And so I'd go in and say, this isn't working. That's not happening. How can we do this differently? It was probably on about the 150th time that I went into his office that he said to me, Kate, I love your motivation for finding these issues and wanting to improve things, but I want you to change the way you think about it. The next time and every time from now on that you come into my office, don't bring me a problem, bring me a solution. And I want two or three and you to tell me which one you think is best. It was just a real mind shift for me in that moment. And so ever since when I come across a problem, I instantly try and think of solutions to address that. So I think that's definitely important in power planning because we are constantly solving problems for clients and advisors as well.
0: This mind shift between the question being, You know, oh, no, we've got a problem. What's the answer? Is taking that one step further yourself. And this is another way, I think, to really highlight yourself within a business or your own life with people you know. Instead of bringing them a problem, bringing them a problem. But here's three solutions and the question being which solution could work here?
1: Because you think about that in everything that you do and how much more you sit back and think about it. Because if I've identified the problem, I'm probably the best person, whether it's me or you or whoever's doing that job and finding the problem is the best person to find the solution Mm. because they're in it. But it does take an additional layer of effort to do that every time.
0: What is one thing if you could talk to yourself maybe at 25 or when you've just
1: finished your degree, what would you tell yourself or even reassure yourself about at that moment? I'm not sure if I'm unique. I imagine most graduates are pretty eager and want to progress quickly. And I would say the advice to my 25-year-old self would be, be patient. Good things will come if you work hard, but you need to be patient. And you do need life experience to get you to where you want to be. So not
0: expect it all to happen overnight. Give yourself that time to learn, to figure out where you fit in the
1: world. And don't think that I often say that at 25, I thought I knew the most in my life. It was probably from 25 that you start to realize that you actually don't know much at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think it's it's okay at that age to go and get lost and just experience things and do different roles to explore opportunities rather than thinking you have to be on a career highway and get there tomorrow. So
0: Kate, as we close, for the paraplanners or hopeful paraplanners listening to this, Is there maybe one key takeaway or encouragement you'd leave them with?
1: I would say if you have the desire and the motivation to do it, you absolutely can. And there's so much opportunity to have that flexibility while still having a really challenging, rewarding career in planning. Thank you
0: so much, Kate, for your contribution to this podcast. That is a brilliant lot of materials and ways to think, I think, that you've really imparted. How can people bring a solutions focus to their practice, to their workday? How can they think of themselves as a peer and a contributor within the advice firm? How can they align with compliance and keep that at the forefront of their mind to produce excellent statements of advice? All these things and more, guys. Kate Fellows, check her out at professionalparaplanner.com.au. Thanks, Kate. Keep an eye out for those upcoming resources. If you're interested in maybe going out on your own and developing a power planning practice or going into contracting, check out those resources and we hope that there'll be a real encouragement and a real foundation for you as you venture on that part of your career. So thank you for tuning in. We are your financial planning association. We bring these to you because we care about your career and we care about your clients. And we stand with you for a better financial future for all Australians. Thank you very much and have a great rest of your day wherever you're listening. Thanks very much again, Kate. Thank you.